1: To the Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Uh, a lot going on this week as the Bears take on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame back in South Bend, Indiana. We'll be on the air with the Bud Light tailgate show beginning at 1030 Pacific time, kickoff shortly after 1130. Pacific Time. Uh, first of all, Coach, uh, let's talk about wrapping up uh, the first two non-conference games. UNLV, good win. You had to hold on at the end there. Your defense had a couple of big stops in the last couple of possessions. What were your overall thoughts about the game against the runner Rebels?
2: Well, we started fast on offense. Uh, we need to. We created some explosive plays. We need to score touchdowns more often when we're down in the red zone. Uh, we had opportunities to do that. Didn't quite capitalize and missed a field goal. And then all the game, you know, the game just feels different at that point. And, uh, the defense uh, I thought did a nice job, really nice job on the conversion downs, third downs and fourth downs. They did an excellent job. We missed, uh, too many tackles. We got to continue to improve our tackling and get rid of the, the explosive run each week that we've given up. And, uh, this week it was more of a tackling issue. Um, Special teams, I thought the cover units are doing a nice job. Punt and kickoff are doing a nice job. We got to shore up one thing on punt with our uh, sky kicks. Um, But our return units have to get much better, much, much better. So uh, we had some, you know, costly mistakes on the special teams on the punt uh, punt return and kickoff return that uh, made the game much more difficult. But overall, guys found a way to win and kept playing and kept competing and that's a valuable lesson but we need to play better football overall and uh, I think everybody and I know everybody in the building realizes that.
1: On yeah, The one kick return Maven Anderson that young guy so he's, he's just wet behind the ears and and we've seen this in the past where a ball is kicked deep but near the sideline and so that's a tough decision to make. What, what do you tell your returner when, because the ball could maybe go out of bounds on its own. Maybe it goes to the end zone. Uh, yeah. not- either, either of those are fine.
2: <laughs> what we can't do is what we did. Yeah. Uh, and you need to be able to catch the ball with your outside foot up and moving forward. And if you can't do that, then you can't field it. And that's what happened. Um, ball A ball in that position, uh, if it goes out of bounds, great. If it goes through the end zone, great. If Let's say it dies on the two-yard line and we don't fair catch it. Well, if you remember the, uh, I mean, it's, I tried to forget it too, but the the TCU bowl game, yeah. the opening kickoff goes to the two yard line. And all you do is you go stand out of bounds and you touch the ball, you declare yourself out of bounds, touch the ball, you get it at 35. So there's, there's plenty of, there's three great outcomes and one poor outcome. And Maven will learn from that. I, yeah. I, I have no question. He'll, he will not make that mistake again. It was a costly one. Uh, but I, I trust Maven. He's a hardworking guy. He's a very talented guy. And I, I know he'll learn from that
1: is, is another option. And this is hard to do because you're running sideways, not forward or backwards is call for a fair catch. I mean, you obviously have to catch the ball because if you don't catch it on the run. That's where the ball is to start the next position. Yeah, again,
2: but it, that ball is going to either end up in the end zone, most likely end up in the end zone, end up out of bounds, and let's say, again, it dies there on the sideline at the two, you declare yourself out of bounds, touch it, and we get it at 35. Gotcha, gotcha. Got yeah.
1: um, Last week, we were talking about getting off to a good start. Uh, this week, you got off to a great start. Couldn't have been a whole lot better. Two possessions, a couple of touchdowns, and then after that, it was a little bit of a struggle. Um, what did you see after those first two possessions that – that forced things to bog down a little bit.
2: Yeah. I kind of shot ourselves in the foot. We had some negative plays, whether we gave up uh, you know, the run efficiency wasn't where we needed. it. Um, gave up some, some sacks, uh, some penalties. And then when we got in the red zone, we, we just didn't put the ball in the end zone. I think mean, we had three trips, ended up with six points. And one of them was a, a turnover. And uh, you know, even if you get, let's say you get, a touchdown and, and two field goals or two touchdowns and one field goal or hey, you get three touchdowns. I mean, that game, the, the separation is going to feel a lot different. The other team's going to have to play differently on offense. So it just compounds. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't do as well as we uh, would have expect expected to. Um, and then the game was tighter. We missed the field goal late. So it's still a one score game. And uh, defense did a great job getting off the field now on third and fourth down. I think Two of 16 on third and fourth downs for them. And that was the difference.
1: No question. You had one final possession. You're backed up deep like around the 10-yard line. And you've got the ball. They get a couple of timeouts. Uh, t- take us through the philosophy as a head coach because there's some people to say, well, you're going to still be aggressive. But by the same token, you know, if you punt the ball out of there, they still have to score a touchdown to win the football game.
2: Yeah, there's, there's kind of three different things. First, on offense, is go get a first down and let's end the game.
1: Right.
2: That's what needs to happen. We're, we're not, uh, you know, at that point, it's not the mentality isn't just don't fumble. The mentality is go get the first down, let's win the game. Okay. Then, if we don't get the first down, there's considerations. Uh, kind of where we were on the field, they had used their timeouts. Then there's the okay, do we punt it? Ball's on the 12. Do you punt it or do you take uh, what we call you know, uh, do we take a safety? Right. And, uh, so all those things were considered the analytics kind of will lean you one way. Um, and so I kind of went through all that and decided to punt it. Our punt team had been very good. Uh, we want to keep the clock. I thought we might get a, a punt and roll where that clock's just going to keep ticking and keep ticking and keep ticking. Um, you also, you know, you take a safety and now you can, you give up, Essentially, you give up the uh, the PAT, and if you watch college football this day and age, and we've had one. I mean, we had one unfortunately a couple of years ago against Stanford. You know, things like that go through my mind. You know, <laughs> you you know make the PAT still valuable. Uh, you know, you saw the LSU Florida State game. So anyway, we need to get the first down. We if we don't get it, then we need to take as much time off the clock, uh, punt it, and then play defense. And the the defense, the rush unit really finished it because, you know, two sacks, that clock's running. That's hard if you're on offense.
1: Yeah, and that rush unit, when it looked like it was all like linebackers and outside linebackers, you didn't have the the big guys in there. It was all speed guys to get to that quarterback.
2: That's that, that's our NASCAR group.
1: NASCAR group?
2: <laughs> that's the NASCAR group.
1: Yeah, do you have an Indy car group as well?
2: NASCAR. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were more into, you know, Rubbins racing. We were, Yeah, we're NASCAR guys.
1: All right. Well, the NASCAR guys uh, circled the oval quick enough and got to the quarterback and you got the final pick to end the ballgame. Uh, this week, you've got Notre Dame. Um, obviously, it's one that everybody's been looking at since the thing was on the schedule. And it, it took a lot of things, a lot of game changes to actually make this happen. It's a one time off uh, game at Notre Dame. Big payday for the for the Bears on that one. Uh, do you talk at all about you know, it's Notre Dame. Here's some of their history, you know, Newt Rock, and Eric and all those guys, or do you just, is it just the next game as, as best as you can possibly do that?
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of the, the stuff you first mentioned, I wasn't totally aware of all that. All I know it was been on the schedule for a while. Uh, But listen, I, I mean, part of the beauty of college football is the different environments and the pageantry and the history. So you know, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that and appreciating it. like I'm a college football fan, and yeah, that's pretty cool. you know we're going to we're getting a chance to go play at Notre Dame and every opportunity, whether it's last week, the first week, or this week against Notre Dame, like we gotta you know value those because there's just you don't get many. and so, yeah, I want the guys to go enjoy you know having a chance to play at Notre Dame and uh, we did mention the names you you brought up. And the reason I mentioned them, I said, we're not playing them. You know, <laughs> we're playing a really good football team with some big time players and they're going to be well coached and their record is not indicative of the talent on their team. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a combination. You know, it's, you know, we can run out there and you look at the touchdown Jesus. But after that, it's our 11 and versus their 11. We're playing football on a football field.
1: You're not going to take them on a tour to the Basilica or the Grotto or anything like that, right?
2: no. OK, I'm not even quite. I'm not sure exactly what those things are. I, I, Yeah. Maybe one day I'll look at it differently. And I appreciate, I mean, the history. Believe me, I'm a college football fan. I am appreciate getting a chance to play there. But ultimately, it's just, you know, our players executing the next play. That's what we need to do.
1: Uh, does it help at all or how much does it help that your quarterback has actually played in that environment? And so, you know, Jack Plummer is kind of a steady Eddie naturally to begin with but the fact that he's played in the game there played there last year does that that help
2: it certainly doesn't hurt and I think it you know he can talk to the guys on the team about it just the, the environment you know the noise and uh that position you know it always helps to have a guy with uh some experience and it's that it's been through the fire and especially if it's been on the road at a environment you know he, he's already been to so uh, it doesn't necessarily guarantee us anything, but it definitely doesn't hurt. You know,
1: No question. And hopefully have another big game. Uh, The Fighting Irish are struggling a little bit right now, 0-2 this season. Uh, They've lost three straight dating back to last year as well. So you know they're going to be hungry and pretty excited about trying to get a victory. Um, The quarterback situation for them has changed. Fourth quarter of the last week, starting quarterback in that game, Tyler Buckner, uh, suffered a shoulder injury, had surgery earlier this week. He's done for the season. Drew Pine is the guy that came in to replace him. Obviously, there's not a lot of a lot of tape, but he did play last year a little bit. He played in the spring game and he got some snaps in this game against Marshall. So are, are they different style quarterbacks? Do you have to make some adjustments or is it just a system that you're playing against? I think
2: uh, a little bit of bo- both. I mean, I don't know, they're not going to install a brand new offense for him, but they might lean on things just like we would. If you know, you're changed people at that position, you're going to lean on what they do well, but he can, he can run and he can throw the ball. And so, um, and they still have excellent talent at tight end and no line and running back and receiver. I mean, so um, I'm sure they're going to find ways to do what he does best and still get the ball to their playmakers. And they do a good job on offense with their play design. They've got a lot of uh, things that, uh, you know, create problems. So, uh, yeah, they do a really good job, and we we have a lot of respect for the, the new quarterbacks as well.
1: Well, they had the ultimate safety valve, a safety blanket, in their tight end, Michael Mayer. I think he had 70 receptions last year, 800-some <clears throat> yards, and he's off to a good start this year. Um the tight end position can be so versatile. And he's he's a preseason All-American. Talk about the, the problems that he presents for you defensively.
2: Yeah, he's a really talented guy. I mean, good football player. Um, uh, looks like he weighs about 270 pounds or so, and he can run, catch, block. Uh, and he he moves well. I think when you hear, oh, he's as you know, it's six, five. 270 tight end that people would just think, oh, well, he's just uh, kind of a blocker and maybe stick routes that he can run. So he's also very strong. You see people trying to tackle him and uh, bounce off of him. So he's a tough guy to tackle. So he's he's a very talented guy. And uh, I know our guys will be excited to compete against him.
1: Yeah, defensively, they got a local product from De La Salle, Isaiah Foskey, who is another preseason All American, has 16 and a half sacks in his career a big guy coming off the edge. I mean, I I know you know about him from, you know, the recruiting. Uh, What kind of a disruptor can he be?
2: Yeah. Isaiah is a really good player, Uh, edge defender for him. He's got, I mean, he's long, he's twitchy, he's disruptive. He uh, is a difficult guy for people to block. And so, you know, obviously uh, we're going to have to use great technique and be aware of where he's at and, uh, you know, whether it's, You know, run game or pass game, he's a he's a talented guy that we'll need to be aware of.
1: First time in over fifty years, Bears against the Fighting Irish. Um, All the games have been played at South Bend. The last time the two teams played, the quarterback for Notre Dame was a guy by the name of Terry Hanratty, and his favorite receiver was a guy by the name of Jim Seymour. And Lindsay Nelson, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, was doing the games. And I'm sure I probably watched that game on tape delay on Sundays. All the Notre Dame games were taped delayed. We played against Terry Hanready in high squeeze from Butler uh, High School in Western Pennsylvania. So uh, I know it was before you were born, but I have some I have some memories of the last time the two teams had played. And hopefully the Bears will flip the switch this year. and Things will be reversed with uh, our own Hall of Famer, Joe Starkey, on the mic for the Cow Bears. So we, we are certainly looking forward to it.
2: Oh, great. So are we. Yep.
1: Thanks, uh, Coach. We appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you a little bit later on in the week prior to the ballgame. Sounds great. Go Bears! All right, head coach Justin Wilcox, the Bears and the Fighting Irish, the Bud Light Tailgate Show at ten thirty Pacific time from South Bend, Indiana. All right, joining me now is uh, one of the outstanding writers in the country covering college athletics uh, these days and quite some time. It's John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. He's uh, also got a hotline that you can read each and every week. He's got a podcast with John Canzano from, or used to be from the Oregonian up in Portland. I mean, I, I appreciate you taking the time because I know you you just got so many things you're juggling these days. But thanks for being with me today. I appreciate it, John.
3: Oh yeah, my pleasure, Todd. It's it's been uh, it's been pretty busy since June 30th, right? Yeah. And and now there's I mean there's two separate paths for the Pac-12. You got everything going on on the field, and then you got everything going on off the field. And uh, the stuff off the field is in a lot of ways more important, but at the same time. Uh, Everybody cares about their teams. So it's crazy. You
1: know, let's first of all, before we talk about the off the field, let's talk about on the field two weeks in. And the first week, the conference was nine and three. Sounds like it's great. But for the national image of the conference, it was pretty bad with Oregon getting trounced by Georgia. And of course, Utah losing a really tough heartbreaking game down at the Swamp against Florida, uh, you know, in the last minute of the ball game. So those were the two games that nationally everybody had their eyeballs on. And yet everybody else, you know, was concentrating on the nine wins. So good start from some of the other teams. And then in week two, you actually had a little bit of a reverse in that. You've got the great win by Oregon State at Fresno. First time ever they won down there. But the bigger shock, I think, was Washington State. Going into Madison, Wisconsin and knocking off the nationally ranked Badgers. So the Pac-10 got a, a little bit back, but maybe not enough to overcome that first week. What do you think?
3: Yeah, a little bit. I think there's a good chance to get a, more of it back this week that this weekend with a, there's a lot of real and interesting games. But, you know, Utah was probably the best playoff chance. We'll see about U- USC. And uh, the Oregon game, you know, I don't think anybody really expected Oregon to win, but just to get steamrollered like that was really kind of a black eye for that program. So, yeah, and because it's the first week and both games are nationally televised and they're can see the SEC, you know, they take on this greater level of uh, of impact. But the fact is the conference has not had any bad losses, at least in terms of how you The the quality of opponent, right? Mm -hmm. No losses to FCS teams, uh, doing well against a Mountain West and group of five. And that matters because those are victories and those victories get everybody closer to being bowl eligible. And, you know, if Pac-12 comes out of the season with eight or nine teams going to bowl games, that's pretty good. And I think
1: that's a distinct possibility. I mean, there may be a lot of teams in that six and six, seven and five range, but those teams are still bowl eligible, and, and Arizona helped themselves out in week one with, with a really good win for them against San Diego State down in the new stadium there. So um, even the, the the bottom of the league has, has risen itself up, I think, a little bit, uh, which is good for, for everybody. What has been your take on the Cal Bears through two weeks? Very Cal.
3: <laughs> in that? Very, you know... Maybe not as, uh, you know, they just are very workmanlike, right? And they don't, they're not flashy and they're not gonna, you know, 52 to six scores don't usually happen with them. And, you know, they play some teams like UNLV maybe a little bit closer than they should. Uh, we'll see. I mean, and, and I don't know what's gonna happen this week, but it's certainly a very interesting dynamic with Notre Dame being 0 and, uh, you know, 0 and 2. Um, So we'll see. I think that they got a chance to be pretty good, right? I think Plummer gives them a little bit more, you know, of a dynamic factor in the downfield passing game. But they're just, you know, they're not built for flash, right? They are built for grind and for very uh, blue-collar performance. And that's their identity. And it fits with the kids that they can recruit. And it fits with the coach. And that's – so they're very Cal. Yeah. This week's a big week for
1: them because it's and it's also big for the, the league. Obviously, Notre Dame's a heavy favorite to win the game, despite the fact their quarterback got knocked out last week. So they'll have a backup quarterback. They lose, you know, two games. Ohio State, I don't think many people thought that they would beat Ohio State, but I thought that was more than a credible showing, you know, at, at the shoe um, that they were in that ball game to the very end. But, but last week, losing to Marshall – I mean, I'm reading the articles and the newspapers and the blogs and so forth. And there's some pretty unhappy people in South Bend, Indiana these days.
3: Yeah. And and with a new coach, Marcus Freeman, there's that extra dynamic. You know, people are starting to wonder, well, can this guy get the job done? Now, I don't know what's going on in the locker room in terms of, you know, how much if there's any questioning among the players about the leadership of the program right now. It seems probably a little early for that. But, uh, you know, if you're Cal this is a good time to be going in there because Notre Dame's got, they're doubting themselves a little bit and the stadium, there's going to be a lot of nervous energy in that stadium. If Cal can go in there and, you know, uh, at least get an early lead, you know, do something to get the momentum early. I think that, you know, Notre Dame's going to be on their heels a little bit. And at least from Cal's perspective, you got a quarterback that's faced the Irish, right? I mean, I think that's a huge piece of this. You know, in theory, Plummer's not going to be intimidated at all by by this whole thing. So that gives Cal a shot, right? I mean, if if Cal can get out of that first quarter, you know, playing even or even ahead, they're going to have the, you know, the psychology is going to be on Cal sidelines.
1: Yeah, no question. And I'm told there'll be at least 10,000 Cal fans at the game, the tickets that were sold through Cal's athletic department, and then... There's a lot of alums back in the Chicago and Midwest area. They're, they're telling me now there'll be more than 10,000 Cal fans at the game. So there'll be a little noise uh, if the Bears do something positive. And as you mentioned, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, uh, you expect to win this one, you expect to win them all. But they, they could turn a little bit if things don't go well early. So the dynamic of the crowd, I think, could play a factor in this game.
3: It could. It could. And, you know, if Cal loses, they still got 1.9 million reasons to have taken the trip, right? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Well, Notre Dame would they pay? Yeah, one point two to lose to Marshall last week, yeah. something like that one point two or one point two five. So that's. I mean,
3: it's really weird though. You don't see this kind of game happen, right? Where you got a power five team playing a road game against a power five team, and there's no there's no home return. It's just a cash grab. But you know, Cal fe- felt like they had to do it, so you know, you might as well make the most of it. And the bottom line is, if they win, even though Notre Dame had lost to Marshall, Cal wins. It's still you know the the. The benefits for recruiting, for energy among the fan base is, you know, incalculable.
1: And I think it paid some dividends when Sonny Dykes beat Texas a couple of times. I think they've been able to get a couple of folks out of Texas that maybe would never even consider Cal because they won down there by a point and they beat Texas on the return trip. So these games can multiply as in importance uh, for your program in the long run. No question about it. No question. All right. Let's talk about the. um, the other issue, and that would be off the field, uh, realignment or staying together. I mean, it's just been nuts the last uh, three and a half months. W- what's your take on where the conference is now? And, uh, you know, if you got a little crystal ball, where do you think this thing is going?
3: Well, to me, it all starts with the Big Ten, right? I think if the Big Ten decides that they're not going to, decides for good that they're not going to expand anymore this fall. Pac-12 teams, the 10 teams are going to, you know, they're signed some kind of contract and they'll be together for four or five, six years. And then we'll probably go through this whole thing all over again. Right. Uh, Cause I think there's a pretty good chance the big 10. If it doesn't add a West coast branch, you know, Bay area schools, Washington and Oregon and form what would be a six-team Western division. If they don't do it now, I think they're going to do it eventually. Yeah. But is that eventually in 2030, 2035? I don't know. Uh, but the big question is, right now, in the next month, is the Big Ten standing down? And I think it will. And that'll open up a path for the Pac-12 to to you know, stick together, at least uh, for the rest of the decade.
1: Yeah, I could see that because it appears as though Notre Dame is going to stay independent. If Notre Dame would jump to the Big Ten... Then maybe the Big Ten just adds one more team from somewhere, more than likely the Pac-12. Well, in
3: that case, I mean, if that's the case, it would probably be Stanford, right? That's an easy move for the Big Ten, right? I mean, you get a private school, you get the Bay Area market, you get access to Bay Area tech, you got a ton of alums in the Bay Area. Big Ten presidents want to rub shoulders with, they want Stanford in their league, right? But I don't think Notre Dame's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I either, think I that this whole, this whole situation with Texas and Oklahoma last year and now USC and UCLA, I think it has entrenched Notre Dame's independence for the foreseeable future. So then if the Big Ten is going to ex- expand and Notre Dame's not involved, it may make more sense to take Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. And then you basically have got this Western division and... You know, those teams play each other every year. Right. So you got five game, five, that's five conference games right there. And then they each play two home and two road against, uh, you know, uh, against uh, big traditional Big Ten teams. And you got something that works, works for everybody.
1: And it also might uh, leave ESPN on the outside looking in, too, because right now the Big Ten has signed up with CBS Fox uh, and NBC, So that's yeah. their contractual obligation. So if they they bring in four more schools and ESPN is is stuck out west with you know, more than likely the the corner schools go to the Big 12 would be my guess. And Oregon State and Washington State are kind of mountain westbound would be my guess. Do you think that's hard to say, but three years from now, after all those athletic teams at USC and UCLA have gone through a year of travel going back east? multiple times throughout the course of the year that they would have a little bit more uh, enticement to have a West Coast branch of the Big Ten Conference?
3: Yeah, I think that there's a a real good chance of that, right? I mean, the travel, to me, the travel, I don't know that it's that big a deal for football, to be honest with you, because those guys charter and they're only there for one night, right? I mean, maybe two, depending on what time. You know, if you've got a 9 a.m. or a noon kickoff in Eastern time, you travel on Thursday, but it's, it's, it's like four or five trips of one or two days. But the issue is going to be the Olympic sports, right? I mean, like, is a softball team going to play a three-game series in Bloomington, Indiana, and stay at a travel lodge and then play a three-game series in Minneapolis the next weekend? I don't know how they're going to work that. Uh, but I do think that it, it makes a lot of sense in that regard, long haul for the big 10 to have a Western, a Western branch. I just, you know, for them to do that now, right. uh, That, that demolishes the PAC 12, right. The PAC 12 will cease to exist if they add those four schools now. And so then you wonder, do the big 10 presidents want that blood on their hands right now? I don't know that they do, you know, PAC 12 has been their partner conference for a hundred years. That's a pretty big step to take. And the other piece is the money, right? And, you know, the big – Ohio State's not going to accept any new members in the Big Ten if they have to take less, right? So do Fox, NBC, and CBS have enough money to keep everybody whole and add four teams right now? I don't think they do. Now, there's probably a workaround. They could probably, if they created a Western division, maybe they could sub-license that content to ESPN. But I I just don't know that – the revenue works and that uh, you know it works for the presidents right now. So mm-hmm. my bet is that they don't expand this fall and that's why the Pac-12 has the opportunity to, the 10 teams have an opportunity to sign a sign a contract and then at that point they are going to need to decide if they want to expand. I yeah. mean at yeah at San Diego State or whoever else, but that's got to be, you know, pretty high on their radar.
1: And it doesn't, you know, if the Pac-12 does decide to expand, they don't have to with with the new um conference uh changes vis-a-vis no divisions they don't have to add by an even number of schools i wouldn't think you, you no. could go to you could go to just one more school san diego state yeah. seems to be the one getting the most attention the other factor and you guys have talked about this you and john Canzano on your podcast um maybe you get some you're going to reduce to eight games in conferences what it looks like it's going to uh in the pac 12 Do you have some kind of a new alliance with the ACC to try to generate some additional good TV exposure?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to try to do that. There's a there's a bunch of ways that they may be able to try to make something work with the ACC in terms of non-conference games, either, you know, home and home series or neutral site, you know, plays in non-conference games. Maybe you play uh, a few in L.A. and maybe you play a few in, you know, Atlanta, for instance. Maybe you make something work with the two networks, right? ESPN owns the ACC network, and maybe ESPN buys the Pac-12 network, and they kind of merge the two or something like that. So there's certainly a possibility that they're going to work something out with the ACC to help increase their their revenue. And and uh, yeah, you're right. They could just play eleven. They could have you know San Diego State for for all sports or whatever, and have an eleven team conference. That's that's not a big deal without without the divisions.
1: Yeah. And then you still got this issue hanging over UCLA. I'm not sure how much about this you can talk about uh, that you might want to say for one of your columns. But <laughs> uh, but this Board of Regents meeting last month, uh, you know, there, there was some talk here and there, this, that and the other. Um, I assume UCLA is still going to go to the Big Ten conference, I, I think. I think a lot of people would get sued and lawyers would be extremely happy if UCLA tried to back out of that agreement. It's just my guess. Um, but what can the Regents really do uh, to UCLA or to try to ease things with the University of California, Berkeley?
3: Well, I you know they could tell they have the authority to tell UCLA you can't go and then maybe it does get pulled into legislation, you know, litigation with the Big Ten. I don't know, but they have the authority to do that. Uh, they could. They can sell UCLA, you're not leaving unless you take Cal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Big Ten would I mean, can you imagine Ohio State and Michigan how that would go over? <laughs> not very well. <laughs> not very well. Uh they could they could force UCLA to pay to, you know, compensate Cal financially for for lost revenue. Um I, I don't know what's gonna happen, but you know, the chance that UCLA doesn't go to the Big Ten to me is is above zero. And that alone is it makes it interesting, you know. I, I don't know that it's more than a five or ten percent chance that they don't go, but the fact is that there is a chance. And you're talking about California politics, and Newsom is obviously involved in this. At least shows says he is. So we'll see. I don't know. A lot of people think that this is uh, you know the way uh, a way for the Regents and Newsom to strong arm the Big Ten into adding Stanford and Cal. Mm. You know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it is very interesting. And they got there's another Regents meeting coming up next week, and they're going to talk about UCLA again. And we'll we'll see what happens.
1: Never a dull movement. No, it's on and off the field, it's pretty pretty interesting times to say the least. And uh, you've done a terrific job of being on top and ahead of this story throughout. Uh, the last three months. So congratulations on that. We appreciate always appreciate it. Reading the hotline, the Wilner hotline, um, and listen to your podcast with John Canzano as well, because he's doing a terrific job. So between yep. the two of you, you got this thing covered pretty well. We appreciate it, John. Thanks uh, a Yep. time. Have a good week. Uh, what game are you going to go to this week?
3: Uh, this week, I am not going anywhere. Good this, for week, you. Th- this is the week to be in front of the TV. There's, <laughs> okay. yeah, They got between... Um, uh, Oregon, BYU, Michigan State, Washington, Fresno, USC, and Cal, Notre Dame. Yeah, being somewhere, the worst place to watch Pac-12 football is at a Pac-12 stadium because <laughs> you just – you can't – it's much harder to keep up with everything. And and this is the – to me, this is the best week of the non-conference yeah, season.
1: I would agree with you. In the following week, of course, we get full into Pac-12 play. Yeah. As the Bears will host the Arizona Wildcats. John, appreciate your time as always. Continued good luck, and uh, we look forward to reading you and listening to you in the future as well. Thanks a ton, Todd. You betcha. John Wilner, the Bay Area News, and the Wilner Hotline as well. That wraps it up for this week's podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. Of course, we'll be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show from South Bend, Indiana. The Bears against Notre Dame will be on the air at 10.30 Pacific time for the Bud Light Tailgate Show. Until then, I'm Todd McKim. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Bears. This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics, with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding
0: has been a Learfield presentation of the California Golden Bears Sports Network.